1: Use the promo code Big Blue. Blue Wire.
2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast, and Dan schneier joining us. By my co-host Nick Pilato, This time to my right, we're doing a podcast from the same location. I visited him down in Arizona. Had a great weekend. It wasn't capped off with, like, I guess my favorite moment. I really hope the Giants had had a little bit of a better win here. Um, said it was a tie first tie since 1997 for the new york giants and that was against the washington football team as well i just keep calling them football in week 13 in week 13 because that's the weird type of crap that's going on here um but you know it was a good weekend we got to do some fun things and then we capped it off with this giants game nick so how are you feeling after today's tie let's
1: start there disappointed yeah yeah dan i think the first adjective that comes to my mind is just i'm disappointed and i know this is a tie but the giants had so many different opportunities to win this football game throughout the second half there were things that they did in the first half that they could have cleaned up but those things happen every now and again throughout a game right but when you really focus in on the fourth quarter and you really focus in on the offense now the offense just went three and out three and out three and out four and out dumb taunting penalty put the defense back out there and the only offense they could really muster in the second half was a touchdown scored because Aziz Ojolari sacked and stripped Taylor Heineke it was just a really really disappointing game against a team that I feel like the New York Giants could beat and now this team is still in the playoff hunt and they are the fourth most dangerous or third I should say most dangerous team not named the Giants in this division because you have Dallas and you have the Eagles and right. you get to play them in two weeks they get a bye week next week so three weeks to prepare for the New York Giants which I'm frustrated about but I'm pretty disappointed and I actually view this somewhat more as a loss than a tie yeah,
2: I mean, it's hard not to. I came into this game expecting the Giants to win this game. We both predicted they would win in our preview podcast. And ultimately, part of that reason was they were coming off a mini-bye with the fact, the fact that the last time they played was Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Two, they got a lot healthier. We knew Daniel Bellinger was coming back from this game. He played almost, we'll have to see the snap counts, but it felt like he was out there for most yeah. of the snaps. I don't think there's any kind of limitations there. I was really excited about Ojalari's return. He was a full participant of practice, didn't play a full complement of snaps, but played a lot and made a massive impact. And they got Evan Neal back. There really weren't any injuries outside of the ones that are like the long-term ones, the Adori, the McKinney, which play a big role. There's no doubt about it. But this was a healthy team, so I really thought they would win this game pretty easily. And at one point, it did feel like they were going to. In the second half, they took control early. They had the, sa- uh, the sack force fumble by Ojolari, a game-changing play, set him up in a short field, and for once, they actually converted a touchdown in these short fields off the turnovers. It was an incredible route by Isaiah Hodgins I want to talk about a little later because I think he's a really good player right now, a really good role player right now, I should say. Someone who they did a good job of scooping off waivers from the Bills or off the practice squad from the Bills. And he also made a big play earlier when he converted that third down on an underneath throw that was about three yards short of the sticks, and he fought for those extra yards. But that route was a great route, and the throw was on time, and it was a touchdown. So they converted that. And like you said, after that, Washington football team didn't actually do much in the way of scoring. They held the ball. They had some long drives before their touchdown drive tied to the game, but they didn't score. But what happened? Exactly what you said. It was a three-play, nine-yard drive by the Giants on their first real possession of the second half at non-turnover possession. Then a three-play drive for minus five yards, a four-play drive for minus two yards, and a three-play drive for zero yards right after Washington scored the touchdown right before overtime. And that was the one with the, the, the two bombs. And so, ultimately it feels like they just wasted opportunity here on the, on the offensive side of the ball. And I know a lot of people are blaming the defense in this game. I don't really have blame for the defense after watching a game like this. How can you blame a defense that helped you get the touchdown in the second half? I understand there's bad tackling all around. And there was like, At the end of the game, look, they ran the ball pretty well against the Giants, the the football team. But running the ball doesn't win you football games. They didn't really generate much of a pass offense at all, the Washington football team, in the second half. Usually you win a football game like that. The Giants found a way to tie this one, and it's just a little disappointing, especially eight-play, 90-yard drive. I'm looking at it now by the Washington football team. Yes, it was an amazing play by Taylor Heineke, that fourth and four. I mean, look, the Giants had him dead to rights. He had to uh, improvise, and he made a really good throw on the run to his left off-platform kind of just like ripping that thing back to Samuel. But ultimately it just felt like this was a game they kind of just gave up.
1: That 8-play, 90-yard drive, though, came after an 11-play, 38-yard drive where the Giants forced in the punt, and then a 12-play, 40-yard drive where Joey Sly missed a field goal because Dexter Lawrence split the double team and sacked Taylor Heineke, knocking him out of field goal range. And then, what did the Giants' offense do to repay the defense for that favor? They go three and out, the minus five yards like you brought up, and then what does the defense do? bringing out the washington team so the defense of this Giants team, right. we look at it and we see the injuries on the back end and we know that there's an issue we know they're not the most talented group yet they kept the giants in this game they're not going up against the chiefs they're going up against washington and washington has a similar type of offense to the giants mm-hmm. i.e they're just like gritty they're going to run the football they're going to work the play action right. pass they have some i would say a lot more talent on their offense with curtis samuel terry McLaurin. And, uh, and Jahan Dotson. But the defense really did everything they could to to give the football to the Giants, and the Giants offense just absolutely fumbled it, man. They just dropped it in this game.
2: Yeah, look, it's hard to blame a defense when they're on the field the entire game. After the Giants scored the Hodgins touchdown in the second half, Washington had the ball for 11 plays, 38 yards it only went, but it ripped off eight minutes of clock. The Giants then held the ball in offense for just two minutes. And remember, their touchdown drive only lasted two and a half minutes because it was a quick, quick five play, 20 yards to Hodgins. They only held the ball for two minutes and it was six more minutes on defense for the giants with Washington. And that was another zero point despite that was 23 plays for Washington on two straight drives. And all they got out of it was zero points, but they wasted 14 minutes of clock. That's almost the entire second half. It's half the second half. And then what did they do right after that giants defense went right back on the field and forced a three and out. And even after the giants giving up, you know, another three and out of their own on offense, it only went two minutes. So It just felt like the offense let the Giants down in this game to me completely and entirely. They were four of 13 on third downs versus Washington on offense. It was just three of 14 on third downs, third down defense dominant for both sides of the ball. The turnovers I believe is what tied Daniel Jones at the fumble early. That led to three points by Washington. Washington had the um, turnover that led to seven points by the Giants. And so it's felt like a very even game outside the fact that Giants offense just couldn't get it going in the second half. Now the question comes, who is to blame for that? And that's obviously something we need to film for. But did you feel like the Giants got a little too conservative? I've been hearing that a lot on Twitter in the post game.
1: Well, I mean, I would say maybe in some spots, Dan. But they did take three deep shots right. on one drive. And that resulted in three and out with zero yards because all three of those deep shots went incomplete. And it also ended up being a 28 second drive. Right now. I like the fact that they took that deep shot to Darius Slayton. I reserved my judgment on who's to quote unquote fault there, because I want to see the all 22. I want to see what the route was. It looked like Darius Slayton might've jumped a little early. It looked like the ball could have been inside, but we'll wait to see the all 22 to, to make, or I'll wait to see the, the all 22 to make my judgment with that specific play. And then they take another shot up the sideline at Darius Slayton. One-on-one matchup, trust your guy. It's something that's worked in the past. And Brian Dable was really upset that there could have been a PI there. Look, I didn't think there was an egregious contact there, so I'm fine with it not getting called. And then the third down play ends up going incomplete as well. I think the Giants are doing what they can on offense right now. And it's the same formula they've been using throughout the winning streak that they had. In order for them to get the the wins that they had, They got because they were winning football games in that manner. Now it's like, well, why don't you make adjustments? I agree with that. I think there are some times where they could make adjustments and try to develop a a different type of approach in terms of passing the football. But we also see several times in this game, second and seven, you know, after a three yard run setting up nicely, Giants try to pass the football. What? Sack. Right. Mark Lewinsky inside, sack. Mark Lewinsky around his right outside, sack. Like those are issues, man. Like the protection up front in terms of pass protection. Continues to be a problem, and I brought this up last week, and I was like, "Let's wait and see." But, dude, if Josh Azu and Bredesen are back, like, I think you really have to have a serious conversation to bench Mark Lewinsky because he's been horrendous in pass protection.
2: Yeah, it's a conversation that we're going to have on this podcast. It's a conversation I hope the coaching staff has, despite Lewinsky's salary, and I think they will because look, they already proved earlier to us this season that Galladay, who makes a big contract, can be benched. That's he true. can be benched despite being healthy. And as far as that goes, one thing that stood out to me regarding what you just said, which I thought was really telling, was I can't remember too many times. Like, I saw it today, and I couldn't remember too many other times on the film over the last however many games that I saw a true Daniel Jones under center drop back. Not a play action, just he's under center, and he drops all the way back. And he did that today, and it was an immediate sack. The only time I really saw them try that. And I can't, I'm thinking back in the film, like how many times have he even just tried a true drop back without the play action from under center? And you just don't see that a lot. You see him throw out a shotgun sometimes without the play action, but most times when he's under center and they've passed the ball, it's been a play action pass. Today they tried it. And what happened? Immediately, Goins gets beat and they give up a sack. And if you're Kafka and you're Dable and you're seeing that, you're like, well, how can I do this? Because I'm worried about doing this. The reason I don't call these plays are because I think that could happen. And then it happens right away. And you're like, now I blew up, blow a whole drive up. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk about why the giants don't have a drop back pass game this year. It's really getting to levels of un- like, this is getting to, it's not Garrett level bad because the concepts aren't bad. Like the route concepts are fine, but it's Garrett level bad in the sense that we don't have a drop back pass game. We're not even trying one. We don't throw anything. And You know, like you said, we took a couple deep shots down the field. That's all right. But the intermediate game is like non-existent anymore. And part of that, I think the biggest part of that for me is not the quarterback or the coaching. It's the offensive line, unfortunately.
1: Well, what was one of the biggest talking points when the Giants was winning football games? And people did not like when we brought this up or when people brought this up in general because it's viewed as negative. But it was how sustainable is this winning approach? That was the big question. And people were like, hey, they're winning. That's all that matters. It's like, yeah, but how sustainable? Is it for them to be winning football games in a manner where all you're doing is rolling Daniel Jones out? Like yeah. teams are going to start catching on to that. Right. And we're the first team that really caught on to it was Seattle right before yep. the bye week. Bruce Irvin, is like, dude, don't even play Saquon Barkley, run directly at Daniel Jones on the bootleg. And every team has followed that recipe. Even Houston followed that. And the Giants won that game. And now we're seeing how Giants are struggling to mount a respectable offense right now. Because they're stopping Daniel Jones and they're shutting down the run. And they're saying, beat us with a traditional passing attack. And the Giants just have not been able to do that. It's not all one person's fault. It's not all Kafka's fault. It's not all Daniel Jones's fault. It's not all Saquon Barker's fault. It's not all the offensive line. It's a collective issue right now that this team needs to figure out if they want to make a playoff push and do anything in the playoffs, if they are even fortunate enough to get in at this point.
2: Yeah, and that's going to be determined right now. The Giants have... Interesting schedule that's kind of um, developed, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So I don't want to jump the gun. I want to get back to something you said a few minutes ago about Mark Lewinsky. So at this point, it's like, it's interesting because we see the rep in the red zone, right? Where Saquon Barkley is his touchdown run. You're like, damn, that's a freaking good rep by Mark Lewinsky. Like the whole right side of the line there, Neil Lewinsky, they did a great job blocking on the play side. And you're like, okay, okay, this is what they saw. This is why they signed Lewinsky. They saw him do this for Jonathan Taylor. But then you see him just blow up two drives early in pass pro. And you're like, I don't know if I, it's the, the negative outweighs the positive with him right now in my mind, because pass pro is so much more important than the run game, to be quite frank, like run game's great. Like it worked in the red zone that play, but we're not, it's harder to have a consistent run game. There's other ways to take away a run game, but a pass game that doesn't have somebody, somebody like Lewinsky, just getting beat that quick in pass protection, You can't run a pass game with that. Like you don't even have an option. So at that point you think, okay, if Bredesen's healthy, can you start training him? Because that's the other issue. You have uh, Zudu and and Bredesen, but they've really only played left guard this yeah. year. So I don't know if you can just be like, all right, slot him right in. You saw today with Nick Gates at left guard. This wasn't the best version of Nick Gates. We'll see on the film to know for sure. Yeah, but we- I think it was pretty obvious this wasn't as, this wasn't anywhere near the film he put out last week at center.
1: I've said this several times in several different podcasts. Love Nick Gates. Big Nick Gates fan. He always struggles against deron Payne and Jonathan. it's a allen. tough matchup it's a very very tough matchup and i think nick gates being like six foot five one of his issues is when you allow somebody with the center of gravity and the strength and the the point of attack ability of a deron Payne into your chest it's very hard for nick gates to like anchor down against right. those types of guys and we saw it against jonathan allen on that one play i think it was like a second yeah. and long run or a second and medium run because the first down play was pretty solid nick gates got stacked up and pushed right back into saquon barkley and i'm not sitting here just crapping on gates i think gates is probably the Actually, he is the best interior offensive lineman the New York Giants have right now. But going up against those types of strong individuals is going to give him a problem. Right. And if it's going to give Nick Gates a problem, you're damn sure it's going to give Mark Lewinsky a problem. John Feliciano a problem. Josh Azudu, if you put him in there, a problem. And that's an issue with this entire offense right now is just how ineffective the interior offensive line has been. It's better than it was last year. It's not playoff level.
2: (laughs) No, it's not. It's not even close. And it's it's getting to the point where I'm, like, debating if it even is that much better than it was last year. Last year was so horrific that the answer is probably still yes. But I don't know, man. Games, like, I mean, like, they're just not even trying to operate a drop back pass game, and I just think that has to mostly do with the offensive line. It can't be just like, oh, they don't trust Daniel Jones to do anything because yeah. he obviously has the capability, he has the arm talent, he has adequate arm, he's got uh, okay processing, whatever. Like. He can make these throws. If he can operate a drop-back pass game, he's done it before in his career. And so you think, like, how do you fix this? And that becomes the question. Do you move – if is healthy, do you move him back to left guard? Then what do you do with Gates, who's playing left guard? What do you do with Feliciano, who's kind of like the heart of the center and heart of the team? Gates is that
1: movable piece, it seems yes. like. Throughout his entire career, the guy was a tackle. He moves inside to center. He plays guard. He played guard, I think, before he played center. So I would imagine that that movable piece would be Nick Gates, which right. is a lot to ask. Nick Gates but that dude is one resilient SOB and we all know that so that might be the move because I don't think you really want to be moving Josh Azudu around too much he already started off at tackle and training camp and everything like that so I think that would be the move if the Giants do opt to bench Mark Owenski at this point which at this right now man I'm kind of leaning towards you need to spice it up but I also want them to do what I just want them to get their best five out there. Right. And I think you really need to start looking at who your best five is, not just as a run blocker, but also in pass protection. Right. And I'm starting to feel hard pressed to say that it's Mark Owenski.
2: I am starting to, yeah, I wouldn't understand that and take entirely. And I, it's, it, to me, it feels like if they could get it going, it would be Gates at center. Bredesen at right guard, Azuda at left guard, if they felt like they could get that going without, you know, screwing up. they Part of this is continuity. They want Feliciano out yeah. there because he was there early in the year when things were actually going well for this offense, right? Yeah. And they think back and they're like, we can't take this guy out. He was there when we were actually moving the ball on offense. We were creating holes in the run game. I mean, this offense, we had some big draw plays with Saquon Barkley today, but besides those draw plays, there wasn't really much in the run game again, either. Like the run game has just been so bad lately, as far as creating space up front for Saquon Barkley finishes with 18 for 63 and a a 3.5 average that includes the 21 yard draw play. And then another draw play that he had. So really, if you take away those two big draw plays by Barkley, they didn't do much at all in the traditional run game sense. And those draw plays were like, okay, Washington's playing a specific kind of defense where this is a good call. And it were good calls by Kapka. I Credit him for that. But I do want to talk about Feliciano as well, because you know, all everything that we can mention, if he doesn't make that stupid unnecessary rough or I'm sorry, taunting penalty, the Giants probably win this game because they're at the 35 then. They're five yards away from Greno being in basically automatic range for Greno. And they'll and we know this the way they coach this team, they're going to grind those five. They're not going to play for the first down or the touchdown. They'll play for the five yards. And ultimately it would have been the right decision because Washington wouldn't have had enough time really to come back.
1: No, I'm doing a 10 point deficit. And I think it was like what six minutes and six some minutes. change. And they would have grinded off that, more time. That us. was a devastating. I don't even know what Feliciano was doing. Like no. he he was flexing and walking through a bunch of Washington defenders. Yeah. Like I think I saw people on Twitter being like he did flex at at uh um not was it Sladen? I think so. But yeah. you're doing it right in the middle too close of to so, too close so to many the Washington. Yeah, that was just a. Du- There's just no reason to do it. Yeah, like it's not even like like a hold- whole even flexing. Like, I don't even know. Like, like it's not even like a holding penalty or a penalty that is during the play. Yeah. So it's like, well, I could see what you're thinking. You you don't want them to make up. No, like there's absolutely no reason to do that. There's nothing good that's gonna come of that other than you stroking your own ego. And that is a very selfish play by John Feliciano. And I'm sure he'd be the first person to say that. I'm sure Brian Dable told him that. And ultimately it it cost the Giants. I mean, I don't want to say definitely cost the Giants the win in this one, but Giants go up 10 points, six minutes. Taylor Heineke's your quarterback. I think the Giants can put that away unless certain things like really go against the Giants, which it's happened. Washington has had some lucky breaks that this season like that. So have the Giants. So maybe, but still, man, don't even put yourself into that position. And the fact that he did really actually pisses me off.
2: Yeah. It's really frustrating for sure. And, you know, even to get to this game tied, even with that penalty, they needed a wild fourth and four play Washington where the Giants really schemed that upright and they had a good call and there was nothing open and Heineke just did a really good job, like getting away from Ojalari who spun into him and then just creating something while throwing to his left. That was a really sick throw by Heineke. If we're going to be honest, it was probably the best overall throw in this entire game by any quarterback. When you just consider how di- the difficulty level of making that throw on the roll to your left off completely off balance by being chased. We're watching it right now. You guys can't see it, but this was a you know crazy wild play that he's not going to make often. So I don't think he would have scored that and then gotten the ball back and then, you know, Force it the, and then, you know, let him back in the field goal range. But you don't know. Obviously, it's hard to tell.
1: Another but. thing that pissed me off, too, since we're just talking about things that grinded our gears yeah. here on the Big Blue Banter podcast, was the third and two in overtime. Mm-hmm. What was that miscommunication? Yeah. You align Richie James in the backfield, you're in split back yep. shotgun. To me, I. Th- would imagine just knowing how the New York Giants have called plays recently, that was going to be a play-action zone read if you want to call it that, but it was going to be more of a play-action. Roll Daniel Jones to his left and have Richie James slide underneath him. Easy completion. Hopefully that end man on the line of scrimmage bites down on the play-action to Saquon Barkley. Or you
2: You, run with Jones.
1: Or you run with Jones. And you also probably had another route from the backside. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to pull it up right now. You probably had other routes coming over the middle of the field. Or just clearing out, doing something to occupy defenders. And it just did not work out whatsoever because Richie James and Saquon Barkley just run right into each other and Washington's defense is just on Daniel Jones at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, when they run into each other, the end man in the line of scrimmage has no reason but to go for them. He's going for Daniel Jones. Otherwise, if they don't run into each other, maybe he has to take Richie James on that slide underneath. Like he has to at least account for him. And so and if he doesn't, he just throws it to him. It's an yeah. easy completion. You put him in a easy conflict. First down. Yeah, you put the put the defender in conflict as they've done all year. To convert these short third and shorts and who knows maybe that could have also won them this game there's a lot of frustrating little moments like that for this giants offense because i felt like man i know people are somehow blaming the defense because they had some missed tackles with like we're asking guys like you know fabian moreau and nick cloud and these guys to make these key tackles like come on like you look at Michael McFadden out there, it's at times to me, it looks like he's running in quick, Sandy. So, so I hate to say it like it's lateral. Like, I like to tape at Indiana against the Big Ten. I always get fooled by Big Ten players, <laughs> though, because the, the level of the speed on the Big Ten level is yeah. so much different than the NFL level. And McFadden to me does not look great out there right now at all. Neither does Jalen Smith. Our second level players are just not answering the call. And I know Tate Crowder after the game said, Free me. He wants to play, but Tate Crowder was struggling too. That's why he's on the bench. None of those three were making these plays. It's not like you put him in, take out McFadden, and I'll be singing a different tune because the tape showed it week after week. And we're really getting hit hard, in my opinion, by these linebackers week after week. And so, yeah, you can blame that. You can blame the missed tackles. There were some really bad missed tackles. But come on, dude, they're on the field the entire game. And the pass rush was dominant the entire game. And that's what I want to talk about next. This Giants pass rush to me looked better this game than it has all season long. And I was thinking about it, man. It might be the best this looked since 2016 in a single game. And now, obviously, that they have to sustain it. But there's a big reason for why it looked so much better. And that's Aziz Ojalary back. You still saw this big splash play from Dexter Lawrence on the pass rush game. Leonard got hurt. That sucked. Kayvon had a couple good pass rushes that I remember. But Aziz Ojalary really added so much to this game. You can talk about the strip sack now. What did you see on that one?
1: To help kill, probably brutally, plastic pollution. I've tried Liquid Death and it is thirst quenching. When I'm parched, it hydrates me. So give it a try. And if you would like to do that, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Big Blue. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNBet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, Marquee Games of the Week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Well, Dan, if you're watching on YouTube, everybody, you could see how low to the ground Aziz Ojalari gets against John Bates on this play. And yes, it's a tight end. I get it. But this is a strip sack. And watch just the bend and flexibility of Aziz Ojalari here. You don't have to do too much to defeat John Bates. But once you're in this position, if you're watching on YouTube, you're at the top of the arc, you're, you're basically hip to hip, but you're starting to turn the corner. Look at how low Aziz Ojalari's knees are to the ground. He plants that right foot. Flat that right foot right here is flat on the ground, and his left knee is about three inches away from grazing the freaking turf at MetLife Stadium as he bends through a hold from John Bates and then finds Taylor Heineke to strip that sack. That's sick. I don't remember Aziz Ojalari having this type of bend in college. I knew he was a bendy guy, and, right. he ha- and he had his move that he was really, really sound with the move where he clubs yeah. the outside arm and then he tries to dip and then rip. I love it. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau employed it last week, right? It's a good move, but. This guy and the, this guy in this play, and then there was another play that I put up on Twitter earlier, I think from the Bears game, where Zizo Jolari's knees are like an inch or two yeah. away from the turf. Like he is a bendy dude, and he's very explosive. He was looking like he was shot out of a cannon, and I'm very, very excited about this defensive front now. Like If there was any silver lining here, because we're very negative right now. Like I said, I'm treating this more as a loss because I just feel like the Giants blew it. Right? They should have won this game. They should have won this football game. No doubt about it, but if you want to look at some silver linings, one of the Big ones is Dexter Lawrence. Hopefully, like, Leonard Williams is all healthy and good. I know he missed part of that game. Aziz Ojalari, Kayvon Thibodeau with with situational rushers like O'Shane Zimenez in a scheme with Wink Martindale, I think they can really start to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks now in the stretch of the season. And we saw it here against Taylor Heineke. Yeah,
2: I think you nailed it. That could be the strength. That could be the thing that gives them pr- brings them back into the mix. I mean, they have a must-win game coming up against the, the Commanders in two weeks. If they, you know, maybe they can beat the Eagles. That would change the outlook on that. But a big factor would be if this pass rush can stay alive. It came alive in this game. It was there on almost every of these key down situations. Like even the fourth and four where Heineke made that sick play, like that was a good pass rush. That was a good play by the from a pressure standpoint. It's just the coverage, you can call it a breakdown. Really, it's the quarterback creating off script. And like, it's tough to contain a receiver for that long. And so it is what it is. But outside of that, man, they didn't get much at all going in the pass game in the second half, Washington, really anything. They had a couple little screens, a couple little quick hitters, not some little intermediate shots, but nothing really. And so I'm very excited about that as well. I was excited about the way Isaiah Hodgins played. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I'm happy Bellinger got back. He had five receptions, only 24 yards, but he got back in the mix. Like I said, he didn't really need to be spelled. One thing I want to ask you about, though, before we talk turn to the coaching, because I think the coaching is an important thing to talk about at length, is, you know, I keep seeing this. People keep asking us this or asking me this on Twitter, and it's like, wh- what is the reason? Why do you think that? They can't figure out ways to get Saquon Barkley a little bit more involved as a receiver. And just a little bit more evolved is like a design route, like you, uh, you know plays that are designed for him as a route runner.
1: I mean, the simple answer is the same answer we've been saying for weeks, and that's because they're using him in pass protection right. a lot of times, especially on third down when the opposing team is showing blitz. Mm-hmm. That's one reason. But in this game, he did have five targets. He yep. did catch all five. He just didn't really do a lot with all five. He yeah. only had 18 yards. They like using them as the fast three and the fast four. They clear out that side of the field. They see how the defense reacts. If everybody clears out with the wide receivers who are running intermediate routes, crossing routes, and deep routes, then they just take the little check down to Saquon Bar. I think that happened twice in this game, but Barkley only picked up like three yards on each of those plays. I personally would love to see him over the middle of the field, operate over the middle of the field, the angle routes and things like that. But I just think it's easier said than done in those obvious passing situations to get that done because you do need him, his presence in pass protection to help, especially – the inside because there are a lot of times throughout the last couple of weeks and i'm not sure about this we'll see on the all 22 or Saquon barkley which is a line basically in the a gap like a yard yeah, off the just line. To be of a standage, yep. just to kind of take that linebacker who looks like he could be coming
2: right and i think that's something that you know has haunted them all year they've needed his help in pass pro what about something that i keep seeing giants fan in charlotte bringing up on twitter and he wants answers for that i want him too, and i'm just curious to get your take on them why aren't the Giants doing uh, you know, considering using more 21 personnel to get Brita and Barkley on the field at the same time, just to get more speed on the field? Brita has more speed than a Richie James, Brita has more speed than a Hodgins, Brita has more speed and basically, I mean, then those were they only really played three receivers today. Yeah, but he has more speed than these extra tight ends, too, if you want speed on the field.
1: I think I would like to see that. I think the reason why he's probably not going out there as often is because the Giants' passing attack is predicated on play action right. and not a lot of teams are going to fall for play action and think you're going to run the football in 21 personnel yeah, you align sure. 12 you align 13 personnel then you could really sell the play action and those guys are up on the line of scrimmage you can get daniel jones rolling off the boot with those guys all aligned on one side of the line of scrimmage coming across the middle of the field towards daniel jones with the defense moving in the opposite direction it's something that this offense had so much success with against chicago against green bay during that chunk of the season against jacksonville but right now not as much because teams are tracking on it. Teams are on top of it and teams are right. not allowing Daniel Jones to actually roll out. That's, that's yeah. a big reason, you know, I think that's Jones a up, has a guy right in his face like, all the time.
2: I think that's a great take, especially because they've used these tight ends so much as blockers and they've used these tight ends so much in the passing game as chip and release. And more importantly, like you said, you have to try to sell, you're still a run first team. You have to try to sell the run to set up the path. They feel like at least, now, that, that is something, you know, but at the, the flip side of that is, well, this isn't really working anymore, like you said, since Seattle teams have figured this out. Why not try something new? Why not try to get 21 and more speed on the field with a 21 personnel look? The Giants did an okay job running the ball today. Overall, they'd averaged four and a half yards per carry. Now, a lot of those were spark plays by Jones. Obviously, Barkley didn't have the good average, but at the same time, they're not going away from the run. You can see that this is a team that doesn't have any interest in that. So getting away from the 12 and 13 personnel might impact that.
1: Look, a lot of things change throughout an NFL season, and the Giants know that better than anybody. But I do think there, there's something to take away from the fact that Darius Slayton wasn't going to make this team and he was buried on the depth chart. And now he is by far and away their most talented receiving weapon. Like there's something you have to read into that and say that is one, one reason why this team is not aggressively trying to push the ball down the field. One of many reasons, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. I mean, but be careful giving too much praise to Darius Slayton because he's the whipping boy somehow on Twitter because he has one drop in the game. I know it's a costly drop, but it's one drop. He also had six catches for 90 yards. He also created incredible separation on the 55 yard route, making an adjustment to make that. Sl- catch. Slayton's
1: the furthest thing from the problem. Yeah. Of and, course and I've not. been a big, I, I've chastised Slayton throughout the last two years of his career because he, he is inefficient. He does drop the yes. football and and that's that's obviously a problem when you're a wide receiver. But in terms of creating explosive plays through the passing attack, right now there is nothing. there is nothing yeah. other than Darius Slayton. and he's doing it like once or twice every single every week. single game. Yeah.
2: And not only that, he's doing it once or twice every single game. He's also forcing corners to play further off him, which we're seeing now in consecutive yeah. weeks. He's forcing the defenses to because what we we're going to say before look like oh well why don't we go back to you know 11 personnel or 21 personnel and get breed and get speed on the field so we can you know aren't shouldn't you be e- shouldn't it be easier to run against lighter boxes that hasn't been or, i'm sorry in in lighter personnel packages like you know some people say it's easy, actually easier to run at 11 personnel and 13 that's not the case for the giants you want to know why because defenses don't care what kind of personnel we have they're stacking the box regardless they do not respect our pass game At all. They don't respect the intermediate levels of our past game. They don't respect the deep levels of our past game. With the exception of corners, we'll play a little off Darius Slayton, like you mentioned. But going into these lighter personnel packages isn't actually going to help the run game because defenses are still committing so many resources to the run game, no matter who is on the field.
1: Unless you started moving the football through the air, right. which is not something the Giants do.
2: Or have done, yes. And something that maybe they can do, but so far it looks like they haven't. But you take Darius Layton off the field, that's it. The corners are pressing up. There's no separation anywhere in the intermediate or deep levels. And that's just going to be it. So he's the furthest thing from the problem in my mind, too. Yeah, he should have caught that ball. I get it. He made a bad adjustment to the ball. He high pointed it and he didn't catch it. He should have kept it in his hands instead of trying to bring it in his body. But that's been his MO the whole time. We knew he's not the best, you know, adjuster to the ball in the air. We knew he's not the best hands catcher, but you know, if you're going to blame him for the game for one play, I don't know if I, I can agree with that. And it is what it is. It was a big play, but ultimately, obviously the giants are going to need better from everyone in their passing game, including Slayton on that drop, obviously. And, and just, you know, the whole thing and they're just going to have to figure out a way to do it. But, I don't know ultimately if we're going to get to see. Just to shout you out, Giants fan in, in Charlotte, like we're gonna. I don't know if we're gonna see the twenty-one personnel because I think Nick brings up a big point. It's it's not going to help them run the football. It's not going to help them get better running the football. It's not going to help them get better with the kind of their diversity of the play, yeah. of the play action versus the actual pa, uh, running of the football.
1: I would like for them to try something. Now they have in a lot of these fourth and one situations, in right. one situations, and it's worked but maybe at least try something, have some sort of package with those guys out there with some more misdirection. We saw a lot of that early in the year, right? Right. There was Wildcat Saquon Barkley. We're like, oh my God, they're doing all this stuff. I bring back. He's the Wildcat. Matt Breed is next to him. Wando Robinson's doing like they were doing all that. Yeah, I would absolutely bring that back. For a little bit, right? Yeah, a couple of years. The offense has been stagnant since the before the bye week. Since Seattle, the offense has been pretty stagnant. And even against... Jacksonville, it, I wouldn't say it was stagnant, but remember what the Giants did to ice that game. The same running play oh, eight yeah. consecutive times with one little adjustment off the quarterback keeper off the uh, basically like a rollout type of We situation. saw a little bit of that
2: today, right? He ran the draw twice and he came back Three to times. it again. He loves it, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying, and then it got stopped the third time. But he's like, Kafka loves like if, if you don't stop a play and we run it again, you don't stop it. He's going to run it that third time every He's going to make you adjust. To stop that play, which
1: I which I do like. I kind of like it too. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, there are times where you can maybe vary it up and be like, oh, they're really going to overplay it now. So on maybe the third I'll, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe but, on the third one. Hey, it's worked in the past, and it worked a lot on those halfback draws. I know that's not sexy yeah. to run a halfback draw, but if those some linebackers, of the biggest plays of the game, but exactly, but if those linebackers and those second level defenders keep dropping into deep yeah. zones to eliminate those uh, horizontal crossers and sitting on those quick stick routes, why not do the right. halfback draw? Just catch them sleeping, and then make them respect your running attack. Yep, completely
2: agree with you there. All right, Nick, what would you think about Daniel Jones in this game?
1: Jones, I thought he was fine, but the the offense is playing this more – I don't know if conservative is the right word, but maybe conservative because they don't trust the offense as a whole. So what they're asking Daniel Jones to do, as they've asked him to do this entire season, Daniel Jones is executing that fine, like he's being fine. Now, I thought the Darius Slayton ball, the one that Darius Slayton caught, that was a a solid – 50-50 50-50 ball, Darius Slayton went up, he made a play. Maybe, I wouldn't say a push down of the corner, a little subtle yeah, a little push, push off, off, a little push off, you know, I'm okay. Receivers I'm okay always with that, to do that. Yeah, which I hate, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I'm exactly. pro defense in terms of that stuff. But Daniel Jones finished his game 25-31 for 200 yards with that one touchdown. I don't know what happened on the one Darius Slayton ball. Like I said, I'm going to reserve my judgment. Was that poorly placed? We'll wait and we'll see. For that, when, uh, when once we receive the all 22, but if I had to assign anything to Daniel Jones, it's fine, but it's not spectacular because like, they're not really asking him to do many spectacular things because of either Jones or because of the offensive line or because of the lack of weapons or because of all those things collectively.
2: Yeah, it's a tough game to evaluate the quarterback from, I think, because you can just see it 25 31 for 200 yards. That's a small, it's a 6.5 average, but that's also bolstered by a 55 yard catch. Yes. You take that away, and we're really just throwing dink and dunk the entire game. And it's kind of the story. Like, they really didn't attempt almost any passes in the 10 plus yard range. They had the Hodgins touchdown on a great whip route by Hodgins. Great. I mean, he created so much separation on that. Great play, fine throw, got there. And then, you know, they had the Slayton two bombs, the, the three Slayton bomb attempts. But they were really just kind of going bombs or roll out slides, or, and that's it. There's nothing in the intermediate range. So he executed what they asked him to. The fumble was big, though. He lost the fumble that led to three points for Washington. That was a tough one because they were driving the ball, too. He's got to protect the fall ball. We know that. He hasn't had too many fumbles this year that they've lost. This was one of the few ones they've lost. So obviously that was a tough one. But, yeah, I think you're, you're right. He just you know executed the game plan fine, uh, made a couple – fine throws and, and they didn't really ask him to do much. And that's the weird part to me because it's like in overtime when they needed it, he started to open up it up a little with Hodgins in that slant game. And then as uh, that not open at any other point in the game, like can you not run those plays at any, I, it's just hard for me to imagine that like the only thing they can do at any point is that PA slide game or run. And then it's like, Oh, we got to OT and he's throwing slants and they look pretty easy. They're wide open over the middle. So what's going on there, these little inbreakers, And it just, it's so weird to me. It feels like I, I almost get the feeling like, That the coaching is doing this because they want it. This is their game plan. We want to run this PA slide over and over. We want to run this conservative offense. We don't want to take the chances opening up. Yeah, but they don't
1: want to. They no, they no, no. Yeah, they yeah. feel they have they to. Feel Sorry, they have no, to. they
2: do not want. Yes, this is a staff. Yes. This is a coaching staff. This is the thing people get wrong a lot on Twitter. It's like Dable and Kafka do not want to be running this offense. Obviously, this is this is not in their bet. They know it's not. Dable was one of the most aggressive play callers ever in Buffalo. He yeah. once opened a game with like what thirty straight pass attempts. Yeah, like this is not what they want to be doing. This is what they feel they have to be doing. But that doesn't make it right just because they feel they have to be doing it doesn't mean they're right in that they have to be doing it. And that's kind of the question we're going to try to get to on the film and try to figure out moving forward. Because as you see it open up like that in overtime with those slants being open, consistent throw, throw, first down, first down, it's like, well, maybe you think about like, you know, you thought this is what you had to do. But maybe there's new evidence to just maybe you don't have to do this, right? Maybe you can throw the ball a little bit more. What happened to the RPO game? RPO game's non-existent now. I don't
1: know why. But there were a couple times where it was called like where where James was sliding underneath and Jones could either opt to run it himself, going into the mesh point, which I don't think he was going to actually hand the football off to Saquon Barkley, but there were a lot of plays earlier in the season where it was an RPO and it was just like the playing off leverage, Richie James, you run an out route, Daniel Jones, you read the defender. If the defender stays in the box, you throw it. If not... You hand the football off to Saquon Barkley. We haven't seen as much as much of that. I still think it's there in every single game a little bit, but I was surprised in this game. From I didn't watch the All Twenty Two yet. From the broadcast angle, I don't think I saw it as much.
2: You no, know, we didn't. And another thing is they were working off the RPO earlier this year. They were working the RPO into the into the uh, RPO play action and into the back shoulder. They were throwing some back, yeah, shoulders, back shoulders off of it. The one to Slayton that hit that they hit the face. They got in his face mask on. He can make that – Why not throw some of those? Like, just mix them in occasionally, right? Like, let's just get a little bit more going with the passing game, at least attempts, to feel like we can at least get to the bottom of why this is happening. And look, it could lead to interception. It could lead to the play I talked about earlier, where Glewinski gets beat immediately. You're sacked, your drive's ruined, you're like, why did I try that? It was awful, and it ruined our drive. But at least you got it. It's better than, like, running the ball right into the line of scrimmage.
1: The reason why I asked about the RPO, too, was because what if they're not running the RPO as much, because the offensive line keeps getting those stupid penalties.
2: Yeah, when they're when they're a little two yards down the field. Yeah, man, that, we get those a lot.
1: Yeah, because the Giants ran a lot of RPOs. Get those penalties a lot. I, I and I I contend that that Isaiah Hodgins touchdown callback was, yeah, was that a was a BS one. one. That was a BS one. But the other ones they weren't. The other ones, they're running downfield. You got Because sometimes with Jones, he held on to the football a little bit too long, and he didn't get rid of the football, and that led to the offensive lineman climbing up to this because they don't know. They don't know if it's a run or a pass at that time. So that's why it's so bang-bang. You need to be very decisive on playing that. RPO. And there's that, always that apex defender or that outside linebacker, whatever you want to classify him as kind of teetering the line. Like he knows that he's the defender, So what is he doing? He's kind of cheating outside. So he's really making Daniel Jones think, do I hand the football off here or do I throw it? Okay. I'm throwing it. Oh crap. It's actually not there. Oh, now what do I do? Right. Yeah. So th- like that, th- there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge mental aspect to that. And you really need to be quick and decisive with your decision-making whenever you're running RPOs or you're going to take those stupid penalties.
2: Yeah, you're right. And so we'll see if they can mix that back in. I want to finish this off talking about the coaching. I think earlier this year, we discussed in at length that we felt this coaching staff was giving them a clear edge on a week-to-week basis. At times, this coaching staff even played a massive role in winning games. The Titans game, they were going for two points there. Oh, yeah, that won them the game. And there were other examples of them winning the game based on coaching. I don't think that was the issue. To, or I'm sorry. I don't think that was the situation today. I don't think the Giants coaching staff played a role in helping them win this game. And I think a case could even be made by some that they played a role in them losing this game. There were some questionable time management decisions by Brian Dable. That's been an issue, I think, for him at, at times throughout the season. And it feels like in general with this team now, I've at least felt this way, Nick. Then when they get a lead, they really do like to sit on the ball. They really don't like to put the pedal to the metal. They don't want it. It's not that they don't want to. Maybe they don't feel they can.
1: But they sit on the ball when when they're trailing. <laughs> they are. They sit
2: on the ball when they're trailing. Too. It's just an all. You're right. It's an all around sit on the ball type of experience here. But that's not what we were expecting. That was more along the Joe Judge yeah. lines, right? And so that's I, like the question becomes like because I, I think we have to look at it like on film to really know like who won the battle, Kafka versus Del Rio. Who won the battle, Wink versus Turner? That I don't know, and I think Wink had some great calls that I can think of in top of my head. Kafka, on the other hand, that might not be as true. It's hard to say, but maybe, again, he's just limited. But I, I think a case can be made that this wasn't Brian Dable's best effort. To me, just, like, fuel-wise, I felt like this was the least – this was the game I thought was his worst of the season.
1: Yeah, without watching the All-22, I think I, I agree with you, but I'm really going to wait to mm-hmm. to – Give a sound answer on that because just even looking through this second half, there was always like a some stupid mistake or a negative one yard run game. Like, even like first and 10, Saquon Barkley stopped for negative one yard, second and 11, Daniel Jones finds Nick Vanette for a couple yards, offensive holding. holding penalty. Now you're in a second and 20, and then a third and 16, and you're punting on a fourth and 15. And then you obviously have that first and 10, 622 left in the fourth quarter. We already brought this up, right. but Daniel Jones. What do they do? They attack off leverage, something that Mike Kafka does. Darius Slayton, they're giving him respect. So he hits Darius Slayton for a curl that he takes for 12 yards. John Feliciano takes that penalty. And then three plays later, the Giants are punching the football. But like, there were times where Mike Kafka was dialing up the passes. I don't know if it was always at the optimal time. Because on the very next drive, after the touchdown drive, what happened? The Giants come out and they just throw the football three times deep. All three of them go incomplete. Right. And it's just like, oh my gosh. You know, there were times where Mike Kafka dialed up a second and seven pass. And what happened? Daniel Jones gets sacked because Marwinsky's his guard, as we brought up earlier in the podcast. So I, it's uh, it's frustrating. I can't wait to get in the film to see exactly, like you said, the X's and O's, what exactly was going on. But it was not effective. The offense, that second half was the worst half, the offense that we've seen this season. And that's saying a lot because there's been some ugly halves this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a fair way to say it. We, you went over at the top of the pod. Three, three and outs, a four and out. This is as bad as it gets for an offensive performance. And obviously, one of those was based on the Feliciano stupid taunting, which is obnoxious, but it is what it is. Now, moving forward, we look at it, and it's a playoff race that gets a little in- more interesting with the news of Jimmy Garoppolo out for the season. At this stage, the 49ers basically have to go to Brock Purdy, a seventh-round rookie, I believe, I mean, uh, another Big Ten guy who is very limited, in my mind, as a quarterback.
1: He's Iowa State.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, he was Iowa State. Purdy yeah. was Iowa State. Wow.
1: Know. We have a friend that would eviscerate <laughs> you for that take, yeah. I don't
2: know why I'm thinking Purdy was – was he originally Purdue? I feel like he transferred from Purdue. He was I, Iowa State at the end. That was a bad take by I me. Mean, that was a miss. I don't
1: think he did, but I'll look
2: it up. Purdy was, right. was originally Purdue. You can, you can look it up as we go, but he is not, in my mind, the option at all for – the 49ers not going to be a good option. He's going to struggle a lot. Maybe he wasn't Purdue. Maybe I'm just thinking Purdy and Purdue, which is a very stupid thing to think. But, yeah, no, I think he was all Iowa State.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember yeah. them talking about him when he was really young. Right. In Iowa. It was either his freshman or sophomore year.
2: But he's a smaller quarterback, doesn't have much arm talent, isn't going to be an op- like a good option for them. So they like it gets interesting because they could follow the race and the Seahawks to get win that back win that division back. And now the Giants are competing with the 49ers and the and the Redskins or commanders for that final spot. But I think ultimately, as you look through it, no matter how you shake it out, the commander's game in two weeks basically becomes a must-win game or potentially just a must-not lose game. Like you might be able to tie that again and figure this thing out. But at the very least, It's a must not lose game, um, no matter how you slice it. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens.
1: And then when you look at the commander's schedule, since the Giants are going to be in direct competition with this team, they actually have the 49ers on their schedule. And it sucks because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be there. That's the game after the Giants game. So they travel to San Francisco, then they host the Browns and host Dallas. Now that Dallas game, I don't know how important it's going to be. Dallas, right. If the Eagles are going to have it locked up, if Dallas has that number one seed locked up uh, in terms of wild card, we'll have to see what goes down there. In terms of the Browns, it'll be what their fourth game with the Sean Watson. Maybe they're going to try to get it in rhythm. You know, they Hmm. suck right now, but maybe they'll try to like, you know, finish strong down the stretch of the season. We'll have to wait and see. But either way that loss of Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Washington actually has is going to play them might work against the Giants. Depending it's, on uh, how the yeah. NFC West race
2: fares, it could. And the Seahawks also get to play the 49ers. So that hurts the Giants, too, in that regard. Looking at it, I mean, si- uh, our lad, si- sorry, David Cyberson from Our Lads, our former uh, podcast guest who we love, pointed out to me like the quarterbacks the Seahawks play the rest of the way are really bad outside of pass. They have one matchup with Mahomes, and it's just bad. So it's going to be tough, he thinks, for the Giants to overtake the Seahawks. He's kind of locking them in. So it then goes between the Giants and the Commanders or the 49ers if they totally absolutely collapse. But they beat a pretty good Dolphins team today despite losing Jimmy early just with that dominant
1: defense. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, the Giants still control a lot of this. If yes. they can beat Washington, they'll have that right. tiebreaker since both of these teams are gross and now have a tie. I hate having a tie yeah. on the record because it just screws the entire thing up. So from now on, I have to look at the New York Giants and say what? They are X X and one seven four and one like that's no. It's now we disgusting. can get in.
2: Neither of our predictions could be right from the preseason. Not that we want those to be right anyway, because then they won't win enough games. But uh, yeah. Now they have the tie. We're gonna lose. We're gonna have that moving forward. We'll see how this all shakes out. Keep it locked and loaded here. We want to. I'm excited to see the film on this one. I just want to see what was going on with the offense and you know what how they played, how the defense played, and what the Giants could have done. But other than that, have a great rest of your week. Signing off from Arizona. I'll be back in Jersey tomorrow. So probably all 22 is going to come out later this week because it's a, it's not really going to be feasibly possible to do it on Monday but Tuesday you can you can expect it then um and then we'll get back to it with the defense and we'll get you know we'll get prepared for this Eagles game because an Eagles win would change everything would change the whole outlook and feeling of this team right now it's not impossible, I don't think